Thanks, Dan. Yeah, so as Dan said, I'm Bruce. Uh, for those of you who haven't met or who don't know me, I work here. I'm on staff with um, Dan and Star and Sneha and Jenny and Teddy, uh, and we kind of make all of this stuff happen week to week. Uh, yeah, so, so that's me. Um, I'm going to be continuing on from, first of all, my wife, Danae. She is uh, great. And uh, <laughs> we moved here four years ago. And um, yeah, she looked at me, she's like, how can you forget about me? No, she didn't say that, she didn't say that. I just thought I should mention it. Cool, so anyways, we've been here for four years, we love Dubai, we love City Lights. Um, anyone who's had an opportunity to spend any amount of time with the leaders here at City Lights know that their hearts are for you guys. Um, I have a privilege to say that because I don't feel like I'm talking about myself. I can say it about these guys and, and these, these men and women that lead this church, honestly, they have your hearts. They care about you guys. They only want to see the best for you guys. They want to see your lives changed. And it's a privilege to serve with these guys. It's a privilege to be part of this church. It's a privilege to be part of this church in this city. It really is an incredible church. Um, we've been here for four years. We've been, I've actually been part of it in a way right from the beginning. Since, since we planted, I've been doing logos and all kinds of stuff. So this is as much part of my heart as it is a part of the leaders here. So I love this place, and uh, I hope you guys do too. Cool. All right, so I am going to continue the series that Dan started, the first two parts. I'm continuing um, part three, A King Like No Other. The uh, little section that I'm going to be talking on is uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, right at the end. There's a little portion that says, Jesus is the Prince of Peace and the Everlasting Father. Uh, Yeah, Isaiah 9, verse 6. But before we get to that scripture, I want to start by reading the very first chapter of the Bible. Quite easy to get there. You just open your Bible, and there it is. Uh Uh-oh, this projector's probably going to freak out on me. But anyways, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I want to look at those two words over there. You'll see them in bold, formless and empty. When we think of formless and empty in our Western minds, and when we think about creation, we kind of have this sort of vague kind of picture. Am I right? I don't know. Maybe that's what I think of. This kind of formless, empty, sort of cosmic mush that kind of creates, that God used to create the world, or God made before things were ready, or maybe you think of like a clay blob or something. It's kind of a strange thing. I remember reading in the Bible, reading this first passage, and being like, what does that mean, formless and empty? There's another translation, formless and void. I'm like, what does that mean, formless and void? That's such a strange, strange thing, you know, such a strange way to describe creation. Um, But that's not what the original original Hebrew people would have thought. They wouldn't have thought formless and void. The words there are, I think I got it here, tohu vavohu. That's the Hebrew, and it means wild and waste, which is interesting. Um, when we read that as Westerners, we kind of have this picture of this cosmic thing that's happening, but the Hebrew people, when they read that, they would have read that, wild and waste. And they have this picture, oh wait, sorry, in Deuteronomy 32 verse 9, you see it's used again, for the Lord's portion in his, um, is his people, Jacob his allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. That's the same word there, a to- tohu vavohu or whatever. So that's the kind of picture that they have. The world was kind of just chaotic. 
It didn't make sense. It wasn't fruitful. It wasn't producing what God wanted it to produce. It was, it was kind of this sort of chaos. Uh, like that, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's what they would have seen when they saw it. So they, they didn't know what the earth looked like. They didn't, they didn't go to the moon, you know. They didn't have a, a photo of earth like we did. And that only happened in like the 60s, I think. So the first people to see the earth was us. They didn't have an opportunity to see that. So when they read that word, to, to, whatever, tohuva, vohu, that's what they saw. Why is that important? Well, God has always been in the business of creating order from chaos, right from the beginning. You know, it's, when, when the Israelites thought about God being a creator, they didn't think of him like we do. We kind of think of him as like, okay, God is the creator. He takes nothing and he makes something. To, a, to an ancient Israelite, to a Hebrew-speaking person, they would have thought God is, a, is, is someone who takes chaos and creates order out of it, takes fruitlessness and creates fruitfulness out of it, brings together peace, brings together order and symmetry into our lives. That's who they saw God as. And I believe that that's kind of how we need to look at God as well, not to look at him as this distant creator, but to look at him as someone who can bring peace and order through the chaos. So I'm going to do a little demonstration. I hope it works. I've got my computer over there. Bear with me. All right, Teddy, you're getting that. Okay, cool. So as you can hear, we got that special pad that we often use. Uh, a pad is basically just a music bed. So this is what we use in worship sometimes. It's really nice. It just kind of provides us platform. So picture, picture this as creation. Picture this as God's kind of... Wait, I got some scriptures over here. God's created something out of to, tohovu vohu. Tohu vohu. He's created something. He's created this. He's created beauty. He's created symmetry. He's created order. And it is good, right? And it sounds good, hopefully. Um, yeah, so we've been there already. Oh, what happened? Something went a bit wonky. Oh, there we go. All right, so let's read through here. Then God said, let us make mankind. In our oh, no, that's not right. Okay. I can skip to there. That's good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the, all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So this is going to be God creating man right now. So what you're currently listening to is the earth, birds, trees, water, mountains, all that kind of stuff. And God brings man in. Did you hear that? Ah, harmony. Very nice. The first one was in the key of A. This is in the key of D. They kind of work together nicely. So you can hear that there's a sense of harmony there. There's, they're working together. It's kind of like God brings man into this creation. And he's like, yes, this makes sense. There's symmetry in this. You can hear that this is something good. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
So the Garden of Eden is a picture of complete unity, symmetry and harmony between creator and created. This is what we're hearing right now. This is the symmetry, and it's a beautiful place. And God said it is very good once he had created man and once he had finished everything. This is the original intention of God. This is what God planned for us all along. This is what he wanted for us when he created. He wanted us to live in this, in this place, in this, this connection with him, doing life together, creating together. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And we know the story. What happens? They eat from the tree. And something happens. Oh, that's weird. There's dissonance. There's dissonance in creation. For the first time, there's something wrong with this picture. And you can hear that. It's uncomfortable, right? It's not, it's not very nice. I actually don't want to leave it on too long. It's like killing the little musician inside of me. He's like, eh. he, um, yeah, doesn't like that very much. Yeah, so this is what happens. Sin comes into the world. Satan comes into the garden and ruins things, right? And this is where we get left. God can't have this dissonance with him. And unfortunately, Adam and Eve, they get banished from the garden. They no longer are able to live in that beautiful harmony, that beautiful symmetry with God. Let me turn that off because that is disturbing. All right. Better save my battery. So you guys get the picture. That makes sense. I mean, it's simple, but it kind of paints a little bit of a picture of what that unity, what that harmony could have been like. There's a, there's a sense of beauty in that. So let's jump forward in history to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, Genesis was written, I don't know, maybe uh, 800 years before Isaiah. So this whole time the Israelites, the Hebrew, the Hebrew people, have been living with this dissonance. They've been living with that horrible music in the background their whole lives. They've been living this way, and they've been looking forward to a time when that unity can come back together. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government, I just wanted to read a little bit of chapter 7, verse 7, because it just completes it so nicely. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now they've been living in a place without peace, and Isaiah is now saying there's going to be a government of peace. The symmetry is going to return. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So there's that little phrase, the everlasting father, prince of peace. What does that make you think of when you think of prince of peace? When you think of prince, what do you think of when you think of a prince? Maybe these dudes? I don't know, that's what I kind of think of. Modern day princes, that's what you think of. These guys may be privileged, living in luxury, the eyes of the world on them. Or if you grew up with Disney, maybe you're thinking of that dude, handsome, you know, every, every, yeah, every, uh, every girl's dream boat. There he is. What is he? I think he's called Prince, Prince Charming, right? Yeah, Prince Charming. How ridiculous is that? That's... That's just ridiculous. Anyways, the Hebrew word used for prince isn't actually this. It's a word that's interchangeable for chief, captain, and commander. 
And I love that because it doesn't speak of this kind of disjointed, far away from us, in a castle somewhere making decisions. It speaks of someone who's with us, who's, who's part of what it is that we're doing, who's down with us on, the, on ground level, commanding us and bringing this government of peace alongside us as we go forward in our lives. He's not sitting far off, you know, making, making calls and making judgments. I like that. What about peace? The word peace. So we, we've thought about prince. What about peace? What do you think of? Do you think of that? Kind of looks a little bit like a Hillsong ad. So this, this is what most people would think of when they think of peace, right? This sort of tranquility, no one around you, no cell phones, no social media, just, ah, just breathe. That's what you think of peace. Maybe you think of peace as it's not so much that. Maybe it's the opposite of war. Peace on earth, and that's what so many people are looking for. Um, you know, no more war around the world. That would be beautiful. That would be, a, that would be peace, peaceful. And it is those things. But the word used here is the word shalom. Now, this is a very interesting word. This word is one of the most important words in the, in the Hebrew world, especially for the Old Testament Hebrew people. This thing of shalom is what God created in the beginning. That, that beautiful sound, the first, the first one and the second one, that's shalom. Shalom, wholeness, wellness, health, friendship. These are all just definitions. Completeness, soundness, welfare, peace, victory, safety, deliverance, perfection, completeness, harmony. This is what God created for us. And this is what that word shalom means. When it's the prince of peace, it's actually saying the captain or the chief of shalom. Jesus came to restore the balance to bring shalom back to humanity. The shalom was broken. Something was wrong with it. Jesus came and restored that back to us. And as Christians, we are joined in unity with Jesus, joined to the Prince of Peace, the captain of completeness, the chief of wholeness, the commander of harmony. He came to repair what we as humans broke through our disobedience in the garden. He came and replaced the inheritance left to us by Adam, with a new inheritance as sons and daughters adopted into the family of the Most High. So then surely we should be the most free people on the earth, right? We should just cruise around and we just have peace and freedom emanating from us. Everyone that comes into contact with us is just blown away about how, wow, you just seem like you have so much peace and, and love and you're just such a nice person to be around. I don't know if I'm only speaking for myself here, but that's not always the case, right? And why is that? How come... Jesus coming and splitting eternity in half, dying for us, doing the most incredible act ever in history, how come that hasn't transformed us to the point where we are just completely blown away? Like where we just, everywhere we go, we're just, just leaving peace lying around everywhere we go. And I think it's because this shalom we see in the Garden of Eden, the same shalom, the shalom that Jesus purchased for us with his blood is a choice. I think that's probably why we're not, we're not living in it, because we have to choose this. This isn't something that's a default for all of us sometimes. We live in these fallen bodies. We live in a fallen world where shalom isn't just the standard. In fact, chaos is still the standard. On the inside of us, our spirits are regenerated, and we have now given, been given the opportunity to choose. Um, in the same way that man was given the, the option in the garden to choose to stay in shalom, we are given that option as well. We are given the same option. Do you choose shalom or do you choose yourself? Now, I realize this is an easy statement to make. 
oh, just choose peace. You know, I realize that's quite easy. There's probably a lot of people around the world that don't have that opportunity. They live in very chaotic situations. They're living in brokenness. They're living in, in, in places where peace seems like something someone else has imagined. It's not a reality. You know, that's, that's, that's a reality for so many people. And maybe some of us kind of here today are feeling a similar kind of thing. Maybe we're feeling this peace that I'm speaking about, this shalom, that, that Jesus personifies, you don't know what that is. Or maybe you did once and you don't anymore. Maybe you've never tasted it. And I'll say to you, today is the day. Today is the day you can taste of this peace. And, and why? Because Jesus has it. Jesus is the very personification of shalom. And he has chosen us to partner with him and bring shalom to the rest of the world. Rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that scripture. I think that's, it's, it's amazing how it's like, it doesn't say, you know, pre- present your requests to God and he will answer them. It says, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guide your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why is that? Because God is interested more in our hearts than he is in our circumstances. Peace is not something that happens when our circumstances line up. Peace is something we find in Jesus. And you can go around the same bush for the rest of your life, waiting for your circumstances to change, waiting for that peace to finally land in your life, and never see it because your heart isn't changed. God is interested in this. He's interested in your heart. He wants this to change. He wants this to be renewed. This is where he wants shalom to start. And from that place, it overflows into our lives. A default setting is generally not shalom. If we're honest, it's actually very easy to find what's wrong with the world. It's easy to be a negative person, but it actually takes work to be a positive person. Someone who lives with peace, that, that, is, that takes a little bit of work. Um, I actually don't think that the enemy of peace is chaos. I think the enemy of peace is pride. A life lived only for yourself is a life without real purpose and meaning. Have you ever met someone who's very unselfish? Like they, it just seems like they're just not living for themselves. They, they just seem to live for others all the time. You find that they're the most peaceful people. It's the strangest thing. These people that have given up everything. I was watching these videos of Mother Teresa last night. And she, I mean, she obviously dedicated her life to love and all this kind of stuff. And she just seemed to carry this peace with her. She had this, 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 this kind of understanding. She almost found this key, you know, and it's, it's this thing of live for others and you open up a space in your heart for the peace of Jesus to fill. Our, our heart seems to only have so much capacity. And either we fill it with ourselves, and if we do that, we kind of block off that peace in a way, or we fill it with others. We fill it with love for others, and it creates this, this emptiness that God fills with his peace. Um, the, measure, the measure of how much you give to Jesus is the measure to which you can experience his peace. It's a transaction, right? You give him your life, and in return, he gives you peace. He gives you shalom. He gives you completeness. He gives you victory. He gives you healing. He gives you that wholeness. 
He gives you harmony and your life starts to harmonize with his. And the song that is sung is beautiful not only to you, but to those around you. Jesus is holding peace in his hands and he wants you to reach out and take it. It's amazing how things shrink in size as we hold them up to Jesus. There's that song, I love it, it's amazing, that turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Maybe you're living without this peace, this shalom that I've been speaking about, this shalom that God set up in the beginning of time, this shalom, this, this wholeness. Maybe this is something that is not true for you. Maybe you are living with the reality of anxiety or fear. Maybe you feel far from Jesus. Maybe your hearts need healing. Maybe your minds need to be renewed by the peace of Jesus. The beauty of this is that today can be the day that that actually changes for you. Today can be the day that you start to allow the peace of Jesus to transform your life. Um, Danae, there's a, it was just so amazing to watch. When, when we moved across here, everything changed for her. A lot changed for me, but everything changed for her, literally everything. Not a single friend, not a single family member. She had lived in one home, in one state her entire life with the same group of friends, going to the same church, growing up in, a, in one kind of way. And, and she moved across, you know, we moved across. It was partly her idea, which was mostly her idea, actually, was, which was great. But she moved across here and gave up everything, sacrificed everything. And it took, it took its toll on her, I must say. It's hard. I'm sure a lot of you can relate, especially women. There's something, there's that like, the pain that comes from separating yourself from those that you love and, and, and your home. Anyway, so it was, it was tough. It was hard. Um, and she started working eventually, and, and she was working this job. She was working as a, a barista, Waking up at like 5.30 in the morning, I was driving her to work, dropping off. She started at 6.30. She literally didn't have a chair to, to sit on. She stood behind a bar in the bottom of a hotel, a coffee bar, served a handful of people every day. Just that's what she did. And eventually it started to wear her down big time to the point where we were getting into arguments and stuff where she's like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, no, you can do this. Like, just trust God and all this kind of stuff. Um, and... And it was hard, and she wanted to quit, and she wanted to throw in the towel, but she didn't. And what started to happen, which was amazing, is, is God started to work on her heart, and eventually she got to the place where she was able to say, even if I don't change this job, even if this is where I stay, I still am going to live with peace in my heart. I still am going to know that God is God, and, and he is faithful to me, and he is my provider. And it's amazing, because through all that struggle, Things weren't changing, but when that started to change in her heart, it's almost like her eyes opened up and she started to see opportunity where she hadn't seen before. And this, this, this job opened up for her. She went into that job and that job had its own set of troubles, but she had learned previously, no, I can have faith. I can find peace not in my circumstances. I can find it from Jesus and my circumstances can benefit positively from that. And, and she worked there, what, four years? Three years. She worked there for three years. Um, now she is running her own little plant business that's doing so well. I'm sure a lot of you know about it. It's incredible. But the stuff that she learned through all of that, all the hard times, all those times where she just wanted to throw in the towel and say, I'm over this, all that persistence built an integrity inside of her, built a faith, built, built a peace inside of her. And I can honestly say that the person she is now to the person she was then, 
very, very different people. She has this depth about her, this peace that just resonates and sits with her. If you know Danae, if you've had any contact with her, if you've, if you've had a conversation with her, she just brings peace. She just brings a sense of peace into the situation. And that's not, I mean, it is her, but it's not only her. That's because of Jesus. That's because of the Holy Spirit living inside of her. Can the band come up? The last part of the scripture in Isaiah says everlasting father. I found it a little bit strange. I was like, how can Jesus be the father? And it's a little bit weird. But what came out of it as I started to look into it is that Jesus is our constant source of protection and provision, like a father. He is always there, always present, and he isn't going anywhere. This is the Jesus we serve. He is with us, bringing his kingdom of peace in us and through us. Romans 8 verse 38, one of my favorites, says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Honestly, that, that scripture, if, if there was one scripture that I could just take with me and give to people and just apply to my own life, it would probably be that one. That is just such a beautiful picture of God's heart that nothing can separate us from His love. This, this is who God is. That's shalom. This is who God is. Healing, wholeness. Nothing can separate us from this. Can we stand? I was saying to Danae, it's quite weird. You, you don't have a conversation that's one-sided for like 25 minutes very often in your life where everyone just listens to you and you can tell them to do stuff and they just obey. It's, it's pretty amazing. Stand, sit, stand. No, stay standing. Um, I don't know. Earlier, I just, I really felt like God's presence was with us earlier. I don't know if anyone else is feeling that. Maybe it's just because I'm preaching. I don't know. But there was something special about today. There's something special about this morning. There's something special that God wants to do here. And I honestly believe that. And I believe that that God wants to bring this shalom that I've been speaking about, that He started way back in the beginning, that He renewed through Jesus. I believe He wants to give this to people. I believe there's a lot of people here that aren't living with this shalom. They're not living with this peace of Jesus. They're feeling anxious. They're feeling stressed. They're feeling tired. They're like, where is this rest that I'm supposed to have with Jesus? Where is it? And I just want to I just want to pray. Can we close our eyes? Father, you are amazing. Just in my own life and in the lives of people that I'm close to, to see how you constantly work in our lives. You are always there. Looking back, I can count so many times where you've been right there and I didn't even know about it. And only after things changed that I realized, oh, that was you. Jesus, you are incredible. You are beautiful. The peace that you bring is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And there's people here today And if you feel like maybe this is you, like maybe you want to, you want to experience more of this, just just raise your hands up, just lift your hands up, and and say, Jesus, I want that peace. I want the peace that you 
have the peace that only you can give me not my circumstances I want a peace that starts in my heart that renews my mind and then changes my circumstances that's the peace I want just raise your hands just lift your hands up and say give me this peace Jesus this is the peace that I want Holy Spirit I pray that you start to speak to people Holy Spirit will you touch people's lives will you Remind them who they are. When you look at them, tell them who you see. Fill them with your identity. Fill them with the God-given destinies and identities that each of them have. Remind them again of just how, how much you love them. Just remind them. Remind them, Lord. Remind me. Remind me of how much you love me. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much. Is anyone here feeling anything? All right, so let's, let's worship. Thanks, Dan.